0: Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the world of PR and communications. My name is Steve Barrett. I'm the editorial director of PR Week and i guide you gently through another show, and uh, another week in lockdown. Um, lots of vaccines around, but we're still not back in the office. So we're coming to you from our Brooklyn huts, and uh, I'm here with my co-host Frank Washkirk, executive editor at PR Week. How are you doing, Frank?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
1: It's a grey day in Brooklyn today, isn't it?
2: Yeah, rainy. it's very. It's very rainy, but it was a beautiful morning.
1: Yeah. Very English, in fact. And uh, we've got an English guest, but he's based in Detroit. So welcome, Alastair Wilson. How are you doing from Imagination Detroit?
0: I'm very well, thank you. It's great to be with you in front today.
1: Yeah. So looking forward to chatting to Alistair about uh, various things, uh, an experiential agency, and um, but a great campaign that won a PR Week award with Detroit Youth Choir, which we, we, it was one of our favorites. So we had to get Alistair on the show to talk about that and other stuff. Uh, we're also going to pick up on uh, all the big news stories of the week. 200 companies have signed a letter to The Times on voting rights. An interesting uh, reputational thing. Interesting, really, for those who didn't sign it, I guess, as much as those who did. Crypto is going going big time. It's gone public. Coinbase has gone public this week. It's valued at $86 billion. Incredible valuation. Already made a couple of people billionaires. Agency holding company financials are starting. Uh, We've got Publicis' Q1s and Next15s full year because they – have a, um, uh, I think it's full year or maybe it is Q1. Frank will tell us all about that. And social, latest social media activations. We wouldn't be a, a, a podcast without uh, an update on those and people moves. And we'll tell you about the launch of PR Decoded for 2021. But uh, Alistair, let's start with you. Tell us about this Detroit Youth Choir, brilliant campaign you did, Glory, and that won the Best in Nonprofit at the PR Week Awards this year. Really terrific. It was one of the highlights of the virtual show, actually, when the choir came on and did their thing. We got everyone to do a haiku. And of course, they sang there. So tell us all about it the, the campaign and how it came about.
0: So I think, I um, mean, like us all um, in sort of the May, June period last year, we were just seeing night after night of atrocity on our television screens, you know, with Armand Albury, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. And um, it was it was just such a shocking moment at the time, and I, I really first began chatting to my wife about, you know, we we need to do some some education of our kids because I don't know how much they know about around racial equality and how how we grow them up to be to be, be you know better individuals and and uh, to uh, to be you know welcoming all races in the, in the world. So we that's kind of how things started and. And uh, I watched a video, a film with the kids, uh, the film Selma, which actually has uh, a a really old friend of mine, David Awelloway, the actor who played uh, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in the film. We were at drama school together. Um, And we watched it, and at at the end of the film, they play the song Glory, and it it really kind of hit me and uh, just kind of made me start thinking about, you know, this is such a powerful anthem, you know, felt like it was really of the moment as well. Um, and around that time, David actually put out a video on his social media, which his just immediately after watching George Floyd's funeral. And and he starts telling his own personal experience of racism uh, that he had grown up with. And and to be really honest, I didn't know. You know, I, I assumed he would have faced it. But to hear his own story and his father's story, it, it just broke my heart. And I think, I think, you know, you see a lot of stuff on TV, which we all kind of know is wrong. Um, but there was something around, you know, someone I cared for and hearing their story. And and the two things really kind of connected up around having watched this film and heard that song um, that we th- began thinking about, you know, perhaps there's an idea here. Um, and about six months prior to this, we had worked with the Detroit Youth Choir on a launch for Ford um, for, for the Mustang Mach-E. And we had kept really close to this this wonderful group of, of young people here in Detroit, um, and uh, so I reached out to the choir and and spoke to them and you know they were in the middle of COVID you know one of the kids had lost his father to COVID they were obviously you know really pretty tormented by what they were seeing on their television screens every night Um, and also you know to be to be frank they were quite bored because they couldn't come together as a choir Um, so there was there was really there were a loss about how they could respond to what was going on so we We proposed and discussed with them creating a version of Glory, um, and they were were very much up for that. Um, We then recruited uh, Yesian Music, um, who came on to to help with the arrangement, and and then we kind of reached out to the the Detroit creative community, and before we knew it, we had film directors and producers and camera operators and editors and obviously our own imagination team as well. And um, we we're able to 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 put this together, but we we gave the kids and so said, look, it's all going to be in your own words. You know, we're not going to edit you. It's down to you. We'll we'll help arrange with you and your t- and and uh, with the choir. Um, and then the biggest challenge of all was how to do that safely. So we had to put a lot of energy into to ensuring that we could bring the kids together and record them um, in a way that we you know we weren't going to trans- transmit any virus if that if that was. Uh, if that was around at the time because there wasn't much testing going on in those days, so that's really how it began. And and um, you know, um, in early July, we we released it, and I, I got in contact with David, um, who very kindly kind of uh, shared it with Oprah and um, Ava and David uh, John Legend and Common and and all the people that he knows, and and uh, you know, it just went electric from there. It just um, it's. Uh, went uh had you know hundreds of thousands of views um extremely quickly and and then uh, and then things just kept moving from there
1: yeah it picked up its own momentum fantastic stuff and uh, it was all over the detroit networks and got picked up by usa today i think and it's now being viewed over a million times across mm. platforms and then it was performed um at a rally with then senator vice president uh, now vice president kamala harris on uh national voter registration day how did that come about
0: uh well actually one of my team yeah used to work for joe biden at the white house so we did have a slight helping hand um there to for a connection but uh they had um she had sent it sent it through to the campaign to say look this is wonderful uh, group here in in detroit um and uh, we got invited to perform that day and i think what was what was so special about that day was and you don't see it because it's obviously off camera but uh, Kamala stayed behind afterwards and spoke to all the kids and and really spent time with them and just you know empowered them to to keep going and you know continue to kind of create some good trouble and and uh, you know to believe in themselves and and she you know she knew a lot about them she genuinely had found out this this organization does incredible things but they also um, you know, beyond the stage, they really support these kids. Um, you know, do well at school. I mean, it's like a hundred percent graduation rate uh, versus the kind of national average uh, of around sixty nine percent. So, you know, they really do a lot of work on on not just um, you know bringing on their their creative talents, but bringing them on as young people as well. And so she she spent a lot of time with them and it was great. And then that snowballed into uh, Joe Biden coming to town. Um, so another performance, another boat, you know, get out the boat, um experience. And that then snowballed into Barack Obama coming to town. So uh, before we, before we knew it, we had done uh, multiple uh, um, showcases of the song and performed with Stevie Wonder. So it was it was amazing. It was incredible. Right.
1: So proud to have it as a winner in the awards as well was the work in the awards this year really reflected the past year and this one as as much as any of those campaigns. How do you think uh, the young people uh, in the choir and, and and black Americans in Detroit are feeling now one year on with you know it 's almost an anniversary of george floyd 's death, and yet we 're still seeing the murder of innocent young black men in minneapolis it, unbelievably you know during the trial of uh, the police officer who Involved in the in the killing of George Floyd, how would, how do you think when when we reflect because uh, it's something we've been doing a lot at, at PR Week on business? Did did business step up? But how do you think? Yeah, black Americans are, are reflecting on this time one year on. Do they think that the people have stepped up enough?
0: I think they, I, I mean just from talking to the, the choir, I don't necessarily want to speak for them, but the the um, I think they feel there's that the. the There has been this. um, There's incredible energy around Black Lives Matter, which is really, really positive. It's fantastic to see so many companies standing up this week and, uh, you know, help. You know, really kind of putting their point of view very strongly across about how things like what happened in Georgia with voter registration and some of the voting rights um, is is really hurting the community. But I think you know, there's there's on one hand there's there's companies doing the right thing, but society in general, um, the change is, is just incredibly pain- and painfully slow um, at the moment. So, I, I, you know, and I think we're going to unfortunately see, you know, a summer of, of yet more and more pain as we see more things on our television that are just totally unacceptable. So, I mean, I, I t- tend to think about what David of Olloway said, at, you know, when um, he, he talked about, you know, this story that black people didn't create the situation we find ourselves in, therefore it can't be down to us to fix it it's down to all of us and i think this is the great challenge here in america at the moment but i do think you know we're seeing more and more people get on board that this has to be addressed but the country is still quite divided so you know you know it's great there's energy but there's there's still a a very painful journey ahead
1: yeah, agreed. Tell us a bit, um, some PR Week readers might not be as familiar with Imagination as they are with, the, with other agencies. Um, you're an experience agency and obviously the, the, the disciplines are all sort of merging in a way, aren't they? So what, what you do and what ad firms do, what media firms and PR firms do can, can kind of crosses boundaries now. But tell us a bit about Imagination and what you've been at the firm, I think, 23 years working all around the world on it. But uh, you do some interesting work
0: yeah i I mean i'm a great lover of the company and the culture and the business and the work that we do we've i I joined as an intern um just over 24 years ago and then and got a got a role in london and then worked in china in australia and now here in america um imagination is a a creative agency at heart so we but we believe in the power of experiences so a lot of what we that may uh, manifest into becoming is you know that might be consultancy around how brands engage with consumers. Um, it might be destinations. So famously, imagination was the uh, creative team behind the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin, which is an incredible visitor experience. To um, content, which has served us very well during COVID, to from films to digital VR, very much embedded. And then um, probably what we're most famous for is is live experiences. So. Um, Here in the US, we do most of the major launch events for people like Ford Motor Company Uh, in in Australia. We've done Sydney New Year's Eve celebration um, for about eight years um, uh, to, you know, some big spectacles like Olympics and and the G20 and things like that. So we're a very, very diverse company. It's almost I I kind of talk ourselves, ourselves being a bit like an orchestra. Um, around the imagination group, we've got all the various parts. Some some clients just come to us for the for the strings or the woodwind section. Uh, but when we turn on the entire group, we can do something pretty epic and pretty phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and one of the things you do is create and deliver IPO roadshows. So tell us a bit about how that's changed in the past year, when you know everybody's been uh, locked down and not able to convene in the way they would have done normally. How have you managed to deliver those uh, experiences?
0: Yeah, so t- typically for those for the IPO roadshow side, we would normally be um, you know very intense period working with the uh, brand or business that's going public, um, and the and the various banks and it's kind of everyone together to produce the films, the content, the um, and then the logistics of you know rolling around the world to meet with investors. Um, obviously, that's changed uh, quite dramatically because you know borders are shut, so but there's still that real need to spend time with the brand. So what we've often, rather than the brands coming to us or rather than us kind of all um, co-locating somewhere for a period of time, uh, we've actually had to um, quite often fly out and uh, go through quarantines. We've had team members in Korea and quarantine for 21 days um, uh, to then go and spend time with the various brands to to, uh, build up the story, capture the film content we need to do, um and then and then obviously the the actual i p a s themselves are primarily uh delivered virtually there there has been some times where we've we've got together, but um primarily just over um you know um very secure means we've uh, um done the actual roadshow side of things but it, it has it's it's pivoted but i think brands still this is a really pivotal moment in their history it's a very stressful moment, and so we've we've just taken the view as like what's the right thing for the customer here. Um, and often that, that means putting our boots on the ground, even if it means going through quarantine to do, to, to do it.
1: Yeah. And are there any things you think will persist afterwards when we get back to whatever the new normal is in terms of these events? Are there things that disruptions that have occurred that people have thought, yeah, actually, we're on the road to this anyway. And this has just sped it up.
0: I I think there's definitely a role for virtual. I think, um you know, people talk about the word hybrid a lot. I think it's I think the way to think about it is is you know news making moments of history aren't really kind of videos you put on YouTube you know they're the event that was recorded and then posted it's so, so I do think to create those kind of Steve Jobs moments and those really important moments for brands and their history, whether it's a an IPO or a or a product launch or a, a really important announcement that businesses and brands want to put out. I still think the live aspect is going to be key. I think I think it will springboard back in a big way. I think reality is though that what brands have now realised is, you know, it's not the three four hundred people in the room now who are now going to you know write about that story. So there's going to be a pivot in terms of you know bringing those uh, those media and journalists in. Probably under embargo prior to those reveals or those announcements, so they can write their stories up, and then the kind of main events and the, becoming much more the kind of consumer public kind of broadcast. Um, and that is, I think, forever and, um, and for, the, for the future going to be a live event or a or a virtual event that is uh, that is um, primarily focused on reaching people by virtual means rather than in person.
1: Yeah, we're probably still going to be seeing people ringing the bell at the the stock exchange and pressing the buzzer at the NASDAQ and things like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: All right, well, uh, it's good to... Chat to you and great to hear the story behind uh, one of our favorite campaigns of the PR Week Awards and brilliant piece of work and looking forward to seeing how you follow that up and how uh, things develop in Detroit. So thanks for tell- talking to us about that, Alistair. We'll get your input on some of the news stories we're going to discuss. Frank, um, interesting letter published as an advertisement in The Times this week. 200 companies signed it all about uh, the voting rights issue um, uh, generally across the board, but obviously the focus has been recently on Georgia and Texas. It was interesting for who signed it, but it was also interesting for who didn't sign it, wasn't
2: it? Yeah, so let me start with with who did. And I, I think some of the CEOs uh, who have been behind it have been have been kind of activists over the past couple of years. And that includes um, Ken Chenault, the former CEO of Amex, uh, and the CEO of Merck, Ken Frazier, who we saw speak up Directly after the Charlottesville problems uh in 2017 um, and it it takes it, it opposes any discriminatory legislation or measures that restrict or prevent eligible voters from having an equal or fair opportunity to cast the ballot and of course the the law that's been signed in Georgia and legislation in Texas and Arkansas and other states uh does not according to critics and I would agree with this does not give uh, a lot of minority communities an equal and fair opportunity to vote. So uh, there are some notable um, omissions to it. Uh, J.P. Morgan Chase uh, did not sign the statement. Um, and one interesting case, Warren Buffett signed the statement, but did not include uh, the name of the company. But most noticeably, you have missing Coca-Cola and Delta, both of whom are uh, companies based in Georgia, who got a lot of blowback from um really from both sides depending on where they were on this issue uh with the law that got signed in Georgia. So I I think a lot of critics are saying at this point that maybe the heat was just too hot for Coca-Cola and for Delta um right now but uh, I mean I would tend to disagree with that because they they have their strength in numbers and a hundred CEOs signing this letter tends to give a lot of political cover. To do the same thing, so this is this is going to be an issue for months going forward. There are a lot of these bills out there in a lot of states, and you know, companies wherever they're based are, are going to be called on to take a stand uh, on these voting bills. So this is, this is not an issue that's going away.
1: Yeah, I was slightly surprised that uh, J.P. Morgan didn't sign it, given Jamie Dimon was the chair of the Business Roundtable, wasn't he, when they signed that uh, petition saying the purpose was going to be put on an equal footing with shareholder value a couple of years ago. Yeah. And he's been very vocal about it recently. So it was surprising. But then I guess you've got, but a, but a CEO is, is is the public face of their brand. So that was slightly surprising with Coca-Cola and Delta. I guess they got burnt a little bit um, and figured that maybe they'd made their statement. But uh, I suppose you want to move beyond Alistair. I don't know if you have a view on this you don't want it to be just a like a box ticking exercise where you you feel like you have to put your name to these petitions and these statements but on the other hand business is being asked to step up and do the right thing these days isn't it and and, and be a, a a figure that's participating in the debates and a, and a, and a trustworthy sort of stakeholder in in the, in the whole dynamic
0: uh, absolutely and i think you know last year you know nearly all the brands came out and said that black, black lives matter But when you can't kind of say that, and then on the other hand, this year, kind of ignore some of these, you know, what are on the face of it look very, very, you know, wrong. Um, Yeah, disenfranchising for, you know, underserved communities and people of color is just it's just totally wrong. So I think I think really, though, the test is, you know, there's one thing. But you know, it's great that so many brands have put their name to this letter, and you know, the emissions, are, you know, are are noted and and are almost under the microscope now. But the um, but I think the the next big test is really going to be, well, what's the next step? It's one thing to say it. Are they going to put the money where the mouths are, and and you know, start looking at where their donations are going, um, and supporting you know those who do believe in much more equity when it comes to voting and much more accessibility when it comes to voting.
1: I think that's absolutely right. We've been writing about that a lot at PR Week recently. You know, one year on, okay, you put the black square on your social channel. You made the statement. What did you then do? What did you step up and uh, what actions did you take? And uh, young young people, especially, whether they're consumers or you know employees, they are checking the receipts on that. So they will will hold corporations to account, as will other citizens. Um, Although, you know, I think it's important, again, Ken Frazier said this, that he saw this as a very much a non-partisan issue, that he, uh, and I think it has, it's important that it's based in these terms, that he just sees those laws as anti-democratic, no matter who, which side of the political divide you're on. And I think companies have to be taking, have to be non-partisan, and and that's an important thing to note as well. So, uh, yeah, an interesting – it's just the latest chapter, really, in, a, in an ongoing discussion, and there'll be a lot more on that. Frank, massive uh, IPO yesterday, coined, well, as we speak anyway, uh, Coinbase, the crypto company, and uh, it IPO'd and it was valued at $86 billion. That's uh, that's, that's eye-watering numbers, isn't it? <laughs>
2: it's a it's a really eye-popping number, yeah, it is. Um, it started trading at about three 300- hundred. $80 a share, uh, and it went as high as almost 430 yesterday. Really, really crazy numbers. And, um, you know, one column out there uh, about Coinbase is what, what point does its valuation surpass Goldman Sachs, which is this this really crazy <laughs> thing to even just be discussing. Uh, but, you know, look, uh, Bitcoin is and whatever form of it, and this is an exchange of that. Is clearly not uh, a flash in the pan. It's uh, it's clearly not um, you know something that people have just you know toyed with and gone over. So it, people, whether it's financial institutions or or whatever, are going to have to get used to this um, being a big player here.
1: Yeah Alistair what's the biggest ipo you know uh, these these frothy tech based ipos are, are fantastic aren't they for the for the market and for everyone involved in it and there seem to be a lot of deals maybe there's a lot of pent up deals that have you know been delayed but when you see something like this it's it's it really makes business kind of exciting
0: doesn't it 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 is breathtaking um and i think i think it, i think you're right i think there has been for you know many years you know a huge pent up um, demand for IPOs. I mean, uh, we, we've we uh, kind of followed up. We have quite a large team that supports these around the world. And, you know, just in my kind of 23 years of the company, uh, London was the original base and then it moved to Asia and now it's in New York. Um, and uh, we've we've just seen, you know, I mean, to the point we're turning, um, sadly having to turn down work over the last few months uh, just because of the scale of IPOs that are, that are coming through at the moment. Because obviously when the market does bottom out, there's only one way to go from there. So people want to get on that ride. And there is, as you'll probably see in a lot of banks, there's, the banks have a cash problem as well at the moment. So there's, there's a lot of money out there um, uh, looking for some really good investments. But it's, yeah, it's an ex- exciting time to see uh, see some of these huge ones. We've worked on, I think it's 16 of the biggest 20 uh, IPOs over the last 30 years. So, uh, you know, feel for the teams working on the roadshows and, and bringing it all to life uh, over the last few weeks because the banks have just seen, um, you know, all of these on top of one another. But uh, incredible, incredible to see something like this uh, pop so big.
1: Yeah, what, what you would give for a little stake in one of these, uh, these IPOs, because uh, a couple of billionaires created out of Coinbase one for sure. And uh, the fact that they are now valued at more than these companies that have been around for, you know, hundreds of years is just mind-boggling, really is. Yeah, Frank, so back to, I guess, more mundane financials, not to, not to tarnish the, the companies we're talking about, but uh, it's uh, Q1 uh, results season, and Publicis is the first out of the traps with its numbers. And I guess they're, uh, they're going up against Q1 last year, which was a decent quarter for most. Uh, it was before COVID really kicked in, wasn't it? So what are you seeing there and what and next yeah. week, all quarter this week?
2: Yeah, Mr. Mr. Sedun and Dyson might might argue with you that they are mundane. Um, after the past year, yeah. So, uh, Publicis, um its what they're calling solid organic revenue growth, two point eight percent in Q1 2021, driven by markets, the U.S. and Asia. Um, so, what I find really interesting about this is in North America, organic growth is up up four point seven percent to about one point eight. Billion, uh, and they continue to cite the surge um, in U.S. Uh, organic growth up 5.1%. Um, so that's, I mean, that's good news. We've seen this from from other agencies as we've been compiling data uh, for our agency business report. Should note they don't break out uh, performance for MSL Group, uh, their main uh, PR network. Some more news about publicists this week. They are coming back to the work uh space with a lot of help from marcel which is their in-house ai platform so you know another thing we will be watching uh in the next couple weeks and months
1: yeah does it say when they're coming back
2: i think it's a work in progress at this point so we will uh keep an eye on it
1: Nice that they found a use for Marcel. No, I'm only being snarky. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, interesting. you mentioned the agency business report that's coming out on Tuesday, and it's uh, it's, it's our biggest chunk of content that we release. Really, uh, a must-read analysis of the agency world, which, in by virtue of that, is an analysis of the whole PR world. But MSL in the US, it's kind of a different type of agency now, isn't it? Because um, it's been split out.
2: That's right. Uh, so there's no more Keck CNC, uh There's no more Corbis. You know, you're you're talking about a much more, a much. I don't want to say specialized, but a much more focused agency uh, on you know its traditional core competency of you know healthcare brands, CPG brands, things of that nature.
1: Yeah, so those two agencies now are still part of Publicis, but they operate uh, independently of MSL and uh, have done since. Diana Lippmann took over as this U.S. CEO. So um, it's interesting uh, to see how that and, and what's happening at Next15.
2: Next15 reported really good quarter that they are happy with. Pre-tax profits up 22% uh, in the year, which they're on an unusual schedule, the year that closes on January 31st. Um, let's talk about brand marketing, which is their division that includes the PR agencies. So they're seeing net revenue up 4% during that period. It's down 5.5% on an organic basis. Um, here's what Tim Dyson called out the CEO of Next15 in, um, in their earnings report. Uh, but he said M Booth recovered in the second half of the year after a COVID impacted first half as clients deferred spend, uh, also give a shout out to blue shirt group. Uh, but he also described the U.S. business, and again, we see this trend. He describes the U.S. business as resilient, with net revenue up eight point five percent over that time, uh, while you know UK organic revenue down six point four percent during the period. So, so again, we're seeing this trend of of U.S. and with other networks with Asia uh, really driving the holding company growth.
1: Yeah, interesting, Alistair. Imagination correct me if I'm wrong, is an independent agency and isn't part of a holding company. Is that correct?
0: That is correct. Yeah, I'm very proudly so. The um, founder and owner, um, Gary Withers, um, still works in the business today. So he's like a, a bumblebee coming around and well, virtually these days uh, kind of pollinating the rest of the, the group. And um, yeah, we're very, very lucky to kind of have a very long term view on the business. And, you know, it's, it's not being, meant that the year hasn't last year wasn't without its pain, it's um, Say the live business, as you would imagine, really got switched off overnight. But um, we've uh, we, we've seen, you know, still still seeing growth, and still, um, well, certainly in the last few months, um, if I'm honest, it's like a fire hose. We we are seeing a tremendous amount of work um, come to us as clients switch back on, and and uh, we've kind of looked at the next kind of you know year, almost in the kind of hundred day terms of you know the first hundred days with 100 million vaccines here in. In, in um, the US, which obviously we're, we're well surpassed that, but to kind of be really, you know, cautious around kind of in-person experiences, the second hundred days really to kind of move outdoor, outdoors, embrace the summer uh, as we start to, to return to in life. And then I think we're going to be moving into that third hundred days of uh, towards the end of the year, kind of whatever that new normal becomes. Um, at that stage so we've you know but we're seeing you know this um you know people want to get back together with people we just need to make sure we facilitate that in a in a safe way and and, and not lose sight of all the the great learning and great great ability to connect with people virtually
1: yeah for sure You must they must have had many offers over the years what was the reasoning behind not taking any of those
0: um well i think i mean I think gary has always just prided himself in that the imagination team are like almost family to him so i think it's it's I know, as a leader of the business i have never he has never in my 23 years of the company ever asked me how much a project's earning he's always asked me what the idea is what does the client think about that and then on the back of a napkin over lunch he's drawn or sent me something to to plus the idea up so i think it's it's, he's he's always priding himself about the success of the, com- the company, and you know we're you know a global a big global agency that has been tapped on the shoulder multiple times, um, has been able to thrive and, and really take the long term view um, by by being independent and and also really be able to you know shift with the with the nature of the market you know so we've you know we've got a very very strong in house digital. Um, Team, you know, fully integrated into the rest of the business, as well as architects, you know, and interior designers designing floors of Harrods to to designing brand centers. So I think, you know, it's really the flexibility uh, to kind of run the business the way he wants to. Um, um, I think it's been the most empowering thing. And, you know, and probably when he has been tapped on the shoulder, he just might not like the person who's asked to buy us. Um,
2: yeah. Might
0: be another reason. But, uh, but no, it's always worked out well. And uh, we're very glad we're independent at the uh-huh. moment.
1: It's good to see. It's good to see fiercely independent agencies out there, as well as the holding companies, for sure. Frank, it wouldn't be a podcast without some social media activations. We've got sizzling bacon on Clubhouse and a Chili's tribute to a Vine star. Talk us through it.
2: Yeah, um, let's start with IHOP. Uh, and, And this is something I like to do in person on my own grill, which is to listen to the sound of... Bacon sizzling uh, when I can put my cooking skills to the test. Uh, But that's the gist of what uh, the at IHOP official account on Clubhouse uh, was doing this earlier this week to show off some new menu items, uh, including uh, the the steakhouse premium bacon menu. And the idea is letting it speak for itself. I think it's a cool idea. Um, You know, Clubhouse is a really popular app right now Uh, it's it it, it is I I think blowing up in everybody's estimation Um, and you know why not tap into this in a unique fun you know slightly goofy way Uh, but it kind of lends itself to the way the clubhouse works doesn't it and that you can kind of just jump in and out of a room uh, and it's not like you have to listen to this for fifteen minutes. You could you could listen to it for you know thirty seconds. So um, that's the DeVru- that's um, the PR firm on this is IPG's Bruce Global. Uh, leading the campaign is Droga5 as the creative shop on it.
1: Yeah, all you need now is a sort of smello vision, don't you? And so you can smell the bacon as well. But um Alistair, what? I think we I don't are...
2: want to... what is a smello vision? <laughs> what, well, I don't then, even know that I want to know.
1: <laughs> television emits the smell of the programming, so you know, you'd have the smell of the bacon coming out. But maybe that one never took off. But Alistair, I think you have a bit of background <coughs> on this bacon.
0: I I, I do. So, um Droga worked with uh, a company called Yesian Music, who is the company we collaborated with on Detroit Youth Choir's Glory, uh, to actually do the recording. So it's one of their um, sound engineers in his apartment in New York, uh, literally um, cooking bacon for the entire day. Um, so you, you can imagine the smell of it. I mean, it's, it's now fully, you know, ingrained in the paint uh, and everything else, which was fine, you know, like in one way it's fine if you like bacon, uh, until I found out that uh, the sound engineer's wife is Jewish, And uh, so now I'm I'm looking forward to the next family gathering story (laughs) when they bring everyone back together.
2: Uh, Let's
1: hope he was on a keto diet. Um, Yeah. And, uh, yeah, cleaning that up uh, must have been a a bit of a a job. But, yeah, no, it's interesting. Clubhouse, uh, that would be a great place to have the Detroit Choir, actually. That would be a really fun place to do an experience or hang out. But, uh, of course, we have our show every Monday at 7 p.m., the Marcons Club um on clubhouse so do check that out if you haven't already um frank yeah and the other one is the chilies and vine
2: yeah uh, unfortunately yes, uh, the, the vine star um adam adam perkins uh passed away this weekend the cause of death is unknown but he started the high welcome to chilies meme five years ago um, and the restaurant chain uh, acknowledged his passing on Twitter but really kind of had to be cajoled by other by other Twitter users into doing it but uh, eventually it did put out a statement on it saying that um, they're saddened by the news of his passing
1: yeah it's uh, that's a constant theme of uh, PR week and the podcast is how you activate on Social, how you do it appropriately, how you avoid it becoming an own goal. And uh, we'll come back to that story again and again, I'm sure. But it's also a great place to do some fun stuff and and get people engaging with your brand. So quickly, Frank, there are loads of people moves around this week uh, just to end up the uh,
2: news roundup. Yeah, this might take up half the podcast. So uh, let's see how quickly I can do this. Uh, Method Communications has a new SVP of Narrative and Thought Leadership. That's Tim Race. He is a former business and technology editor at the New York Times and uh, other outlets. Uh, meanwhile, Xerox's chief communications and brand officer, Anne-Marie uh is stepping down uh, from the company. We will see where she is, where she lands next. Also retiring are... Uh, Also stepping down from a role, I should say, is Alexandra Trower, EVP of Global Communications at Estee Lauder Companies, uh, which is the network that includes the brand Estee Lauder, but also Clinique Origins, Tommy Hilfiger, and Mac. Uh, Gannett has a new SVP of Corporate Communications. That's a newly created role uh, at the company, by the way, which is interesting because it is an older, uh, more traditional newspaper chain, Uh, but that's Lark Marie Anton. Uh, she's reporting up to Maya Gupta, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer uh, at the newspaper chain. Uh, former Outcast CEO, Alex Constantinople, one of the best uh, known PR agency people in Silicon Valley, is moving over to Zendesk, the CRM software company. She's going to be their CMO. She is going to be replaced by Elizabeth McNichols, who is going to be the new CEO of uh, of outcast um, a veteran of the automobile communications world trevor hale i think he was at infinity has launched fruition global communications uh, which is a consultancy he most recently was at zinfu a i hope i'm pronouncing that right a ceo coaching firm uh, which is going to be one of his first clients um, now here's a brand really on the move uh, really growing quickly, doing its first national ad campaign last week, and that's Impossible Foods. Uh it just seemed to be everywhere all of a sudden. Uh, have brought on former Apple creative leader Steve Turner as their first Chief Experience uh, Officer. Uh, General Motors' brand new hire, Uh, could find it Thursday on PRWeek.com, has brought on Daryl Harrison. Uh, leading strategic communications for its global product group. Really wide-ranging, interesting role there. He is overseeing everything for communications from uh, electric vehicles, autonomous vehicle technologies, really cool stuff. Um, The FT, the Financial Times, has brought on the former Qatar Airways head of comms, Sophie Knight, as global communications director. Uh, She's on a 12-month contract to cover for Christina Erickson, who is on maternity leave. Uh, promotion at the head of comms at Expedia Group as uh, Sarah Gavin moves up to SVP of global communications and corporate brand. A global hire at Finsbury, uh, as they bring on Sophie Scott, formerly the global tech leader at Fleischman Hillard. Uh, and she's going to lead the global tech business, uh, over at Finsbury. And one more global role to mention Sanofi has poached, uh, has poached an executive from its pharma. Rival as Fiona Olivier comes over from ABV to be global head of public affairs and communications for its general medicines division
1: you and the team have been
2: kept busy this week my friends um, it's been a busy week of people moving around yeah and I and I wonder you know is it just one of those times where the people moves are heating up is it is it a result of the economy bouncing back you know it's uh, yeah. I think it's linked to what Alistair
1: was saying yesterday uh, it's not yesterday earlier um, you know there's a lot of pent-up demand there's a lot of the pent-up things that have been on the you know on the cars for a long time and they're all starting to happen and uh, you know we're, we're emerging from the chrysalis of... Of covid if you like uh, cautiously but um, so yeah and good luck to alex trower l'oreal real stalwart of the uh, beauty pr industry and uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see where Anne marie squio lands and daryl harrison at gm's a great appointment and uh, craig bookholtz really diversifying the team over there so interesting to see what he's doing great stuff and then just finally frank pr decoded we've launched um, the third chapter, if you like, in the Purpose Trilogy. Uh, Tell us about that.
2: You should mark your calendars right now for October 12th to the 14th. It's a three-day event, and this year's theme is Purpose Transformed, uh, which is building on conversations from last year's uh, online conference PR decoded purpose in action, uh, but also with a lot of other lessons learned from the past year and earlier this year, too.
1: Yeah it was purpose principles in year 1 purpose in action in year 2 and then purpose transformed in year 3 basically tracking the journey and we really want to tell the stories of of the purpose uh, purposeful business and as we were discussing earlier it's been great to chat to you Alistair thanks so much for joining us on the show brilliant to celebrate the Detroit choir activation and glad things are coming back to uh, if you're turning business away after a, t- a year like this that's uh, that has, that sounds like a pretty good place to be
0: yeah. And I, thank you. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I want to just congratulate the team on the PR week. It was such a great event. And I know how hard, personally, these are to put together. And thought it was great. And it was uh, great to showcase uh, this wonderful group of young people here from Detroit.
1: It really was. It was terrific. So thanks for that. Thanks, Frank. Always a pleasure. Um, just uh, PR Connect happened this week, our global virtual event. You can still watch that on Catch Up. Um, great content from across the team. We an interview with Mark Reed, the WPP CEO. That's worth checking out, as well as uh, some great sessions on uh, lots of other hot topics. The Brand Film Awards, that ceremony. Lots of virtual events still. That's on the 25th of May. Um, our 40 Under 40 program is out for entries, so do make sure you've got your rising stars entered into that program. The Global Awards will take place virtually on May 20th. Our Hall of Fame celebration will take place on the 10th of June. And then Frank mentioned PR Decoded. It's from the 12th to the 15th of October with the Purpose Awards on the 13th. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find
2: more episodes, visit prweek.com.